welcome back to Strip Down. You guys have no idea how freaking excited I am for today. I have been trying to get this amazing woman and mama and just like total boss babe who's like just literally, I mean, she's breaking through Instagram. She's breaking through all platforms about her realness in real life and, you know, real body image. She is such a positive force and positive life. She's someone I've actually been following for quite some time and have always been inspired by even before she kind of really inspired the masses. I just love her message and how positive she is, but also how real she is about everything. Today I have the incredible and amazing Sarah Nicole, who's a long-term blogger, writer, creator, speaker, three times cover girl, also has an incredible podcast, the Papaya Podcast. I can't say enough good things seriously about her. Like we her chatting on social probably about almost like a year ago now or something like that. And I've been asking and asking to have her on and she is such a, you know, powerhouse and busy woman. And then my mom life schedule, I am like so beyond excited. Sarah, welcome to my show. Thank you. Oh my gosh. It's so funny that you say that. Cause I was thinking back on like how many times we've tried to schedule this. And yes. I was like, it was like my first trip out to LA when I, in my head thought LA was like Toronto where you just like pop down the road somewhere <laughs> yep, and yep. it turns out it's like its own country. I found out that day that, you know, the entire population of California is the same as the entire population, if not more than all of Canada. So <laughs> huge shock to my bones, but Hey, we're doing it now. We're doing it virtually because we're all staying at home and staying healthy. So I'm honestly, I'm so glad this worked out. Even with our time zone, I know it's like super early in the morning for you and it's afternoon. Oh, it's all good. Me, so. I told my husband, I'm like, I'm like actually excited to get up this morning and it's right? like a great oh. inspiration for me, which is like, you know, needed right now. And it's so true. It's like, it finally aligned. And I, it's so funny because I was thinking about that too. I was like, get all of our messages cracking up and I'm like, oh my God, I look like such a stalker. Like, hey, but what about this? No, this because it's always. We've all, we've almost gotten it a couple times, but it's usually been one of our schedules over. Like this is just honestly, it's been such a perfect opportunity. And normally, I don't love doing virtual podcasts. Like I know you and I are kind of the same. We love doing them face to face, but right now, like this is the closest we have to face to face. So I've been craving this as much as anybody else has. So I think it's been really important to continue to have these conversations and allow them to be in the ears of other people because we know so many people are suffering in loneliness right now and isolation and what a great way to kind of like bridge that gap between all of us and just remind everybody that, you know, we're all kind of in this together, like high school musical throwback, but <laughs> here we are. Right. So I'm, I'm really glad this worked out. Really, really glad. Yeah, I am too. And obviously like, I mean, for those that don't know you, I feel like they, they, they must either live under a rock or they're not. Yeah. <laughs> but for those that don't, why don't you tell us a little bit more about you and like your journey? I know I gave a little bit about it, but before we get into sure. it, tell us a little bit like how Sarah Nicole kind of came about. Sure. So I actually started blogging doing the birds papaya about 12 years ago. I had, it was close to 12 years ago. I had two little girls at home and I nicknamed it after their nickname. So it was the birds papaya after my two daughters, Gemma birdie, Maya papaya. And so I kind of did this thing where I started it out of the pits of motherhood. I was really struggling with being a mom in the sense of what, how everybody else was momming. I didn't feel like I related to the mom groups and the online platforms. I just felt 
Like it just wasn't, it wasn't clicking for me. But then blogging started and this blogosphere of women who were doing all of these creative things within the realms of motherhood. And it wasn't all about just motherhood. It was about so much more. So I really um, came to find a lot of like just joy in that and connecting. And so I kind of went through that and uh, started becoming more of a creator of my own. And I, and I didn't realize at the time, I didn't recognize the fact that what I was truly enjoying was human connection. I was loving how much this medium of blogs and internet was actually bringing me into a place of feeling like I had community. And when I say that I was a blogger like 12 years ago, I mean with a really awful point and shoot camera, atrocious <laughs> writing and dollar store crafts. So, but like with the thing, the medium, the thing that kept me through it was this human connection. So years later, Instagram came about and I came on it like everybody else. And it was so enticing for me because I didn't really love all of the big content that was required for blogs. And now it was like this instant connection with people. It was even faster. It was even more intense. And we were getting these moment to moment interactions with people now. And I loved it. And so I started to post like everybody else did. And at the time was going through a bit of a transformation of life because we were at the, before that living six hours away from all of our family and friends. And I had just given birth to my third child. And it was incredibly isolating. I was suffering greatly from depression in that and didn't really recognize it, was never diagnosed. So I'm kind of like, just a disclaimer, like self-diagnosing that. And uh, I, when we moved home, I suddenly, and, and with this background noise of Instagram and all this instantness of seeing everybody else's lives, I felt really, really ashamed of my body for like, I always kind of had been, but for the first time it was like huge. Because now we weren't just hiding in our homes. I was no longer living six hours away from friends and family. I was in front of people in real life and I was online. So through obviously like a series of events, I decided that I was going to lose weight. And about 40 pounds in, people started to notice online and it became this conversation and people really liked me for it. And I was really like, it was so validating to have people be so excited for you for doing something. And, and after all these years of blogging, these atrocious crafts, suddenly I had this thing that people loved me for and it was addictive. So I actually ended up losing a hundred pounds. And my story was quite inspirational for so many because I had done it within the realms of being a stay-at-home mom and not having access to money and information and programs like so many others did. So I was doing this for free in my home, like wearing jeans half the time. Like I didn't even have proper workout bras or anything. So people really loved this inspirational story. The important key message to that is I didn't have access to information and it was important information, especially around nutrition and what are some of the signs of disordered eating and disordered uh, ways of looking at fitness. And now my body is on this performance track. I am now Insta-fame. I'm getting into this Insta-fame. Like I think at the time <laughs> I had like 16,000 followers. It was, a big, it was a big deal for like little beans me. And, and this validation was so addictive and I realized that my body just had to perform. And as long as that was happening, like everything else was going to be okay, but it wasn't okay because all anybody saw me for and was congratulating me for was my body. 
when in real life, I was super struggling with mental health. My marriage was failing. I'd been married for 11 years and it was without a doubt at its end. I was a mother of three, but I spent so much time sitting on the kitchen floor, crying my eyes out and trying to fall on the sword for my family, just thinking if I could keep this all together, everything will be okay. Nobody's noticing anything. I've just held this all. I'm doing so well at this. And I was failing. I was utterly, utterly failing. And one day I remember it so clearly and so well because it changed my life was the day that I realized I didn't want to wake up anymore. I hadn't been suicidal before. I hadn't had thoughts of hurting myself, but I simply didn't want to exist. And I realized I have to do something now or I'm not going to be here in one way or another. Either I'm, my mind is going to slip away even more to darker places or I'm literally not going to be on this planet. So I picked up my kids after school and I went to my parents' house and I left that 11-year marriage. And through that, um, I also realized that I was going through, I was going to go through a little bit of a social suicide because, you know, what kind of a woman loses a hundred pounds and thinks she's too good for her husband and walks away. That's what I knew people would say and what they would think. And I had to let them because I had to protect my kids and I had to protect that why. And I had to let a lot of questions be unanswered. And all of this while still running an Instagram account where I'm still trying to be this weight loss hero. And I'm really, really scared to tell everybody the fact that guess what? I still absolutely loathe my body. If not more than ever before, the weight loss did not fix it. I am still struggling greatly and I'm skipping meals. I'm stressed out more than ever. And people are coming up to me and saying, congratulations, you've never looked better. I've never seen you, like you look so amazing and had no idea that I've just walked away from an 11 year marriage and I'm living with mom and dad with my three kids. Wow. So fast forward a little bit. Um, I started to, so going through that, I'm now a single mom, I'm working two jobs and I'm getting back up on my feet and it is so amazing. And at the same time, I'm facing the fact that I have some pretty bad disordered eating and I'm really scared to regain some of that weight that clearly came off during a time of stress. Now, to be fair, I was there to give like a little bit of background to that. I'm 5'8", and I went from 225 pounds to 114 pounds. I was a size zero, and still it was never enough. There was never a moment where I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh, we've got it. We've got it in the bag. We're good. We feel great. Weight loss has changed us. So I was very thin, and I knew that I had to regain some of that because it would be almost impossible for me at that frame to hold that much weight off when I was already only eating a very small amount of calories a day. I'm even hesitant to like speak the number of calories because I don't want people to like adopt that habit at all. Um, And so I started to kind of, I realized for a long time, the body positive movement and the body neutral movement and the self-love movement was so counteractive to everything that I wanted to hear and everything that I wanted to do and, and talk about. So it was combative to the lifestyle I was living. So of course I wanted nothing to do with it. But in those moments of recognizing how low I had gotten in my weight and how scared I was to regain, 
suddenly they were like this warm blanket community that was telling me it was going to be okay and that I could find confidence in my body even while gaining weight, even while putting away these size zero jeans and, and stepping into a size medium and all of these things that felt so backwards from everything that I'd built my success, quote unquote, on. And I started to share that side of things. And the only way I could do this is if I stopped being what I thought everybody had wanted from me for all of these years, from blogging to Instagramming with my body, with my home, with my life, with my marriage, with everything, I had to become myself in the most authentic way possible. And I was going to really have to fight through those feelings of self-perfection And what I did not expect to happen, so at first nothing happened in the sense that a lot of followers were very not enjoying that new content, but I just kept with it. I knew my heart and I knew that I needed to continue to be authentic to my story and to who I was and what was real and true for me and my body from stretch marks and cellulite to loose skin these realities that I never really had seen before and and started to kind of bring onto my own platform. What I didn't expect to happen was so many women feeling the exact same thing that I had all along, like whether, whether it was about stretch marks or cellulite. And, and as it went, I kind of um, really started to like figure out that I wasn't thinking about those things so much anymore. And uh, the more I shared and the more vulnerable I became, the less shame I had. And so I started stepping into life for the first time about two, three years ago. It was it was eye-opening for me to exist in a body for beyond my body. I, I don't even know if that sentence made sense, but that's kind of what I've been <laughs> doing ever since is acknowledging hardships with our bodies and making the choice to live beyond them. So uh, 2019 was a huge year for me. I finally quit. I quit my job. I had, I went from those two jobs down to one job and it was a career job and I quit it at the end of 2018. Within two weeks, I hit 100,000 followers. By the January, I hit about 200,000. By the end of 2019, I was sitting at 750,000. And in early 2020, I hit a million. So it was fast, it was furious, and it was driven on honesty and a lot of years of experience in that realm. And more importantly, a community that had my back and that was willing to share those points of my own vulnerability with their communities and the people that they had built up. So it's been through the, through that sharing of experience and through that human connection that originally had me so hooked on social media was truly the thing that ended up being the biggest pinpoint to my success. And more importantly, my own like inner happiness. Well, and I really appreciate you sharing that because again, you know, even with social media, right? If someone found you now and they see you a million followers, they don't really know your story. They don't know, you know, the struggles. They don't know the blood, sweat, and tears literally that went into all of this content and this sharing and you, you know, really being your real and raw self. And, you know, I just have to say, like, for me, that was why, you know, I started really following you before I like really even kind of like fell in love with like you as a person and your personality and like actually got mm. to chat with you and become friends with you and connect with you. But like when I first started following you, it was just like, wow, this is such a, like a, for me being a new mom, it was like, this is so refreshing to see someone be like, I don't like how this looks on my body every day. And I, I'm not happy with this, but like, I'm still working through it and I'm still 
happy with me and I'm working through my own emotions. And like, that's like not an easy thing to say. And, you know, for me, it was like, okay, I had just had, you know, Amelia. And in my mind, I'm, you know, looking at all these moms on Instagram with their perfect, you know, picture, you know, pictures and colors. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a bounce back like that too. And like, I'm doing all the things and this is how it's going to go. And then it was like, you know, oh, Amelia chose her own birth, you know, 30 hours at the birth center transferred to the hospital 42 hours later in a C-section. Like, no, mm-hmm. it's not good. It was not the picture that I was expecting. And then continuing that was like, you know, looking at my body and seeing how it wasn't like, you know, dropping the weight and the scar and, and the skin and the this and that. And I was struggling so hard. And it was like, I kept looking at social media and just feeling like so many places were just such a detriment for me. And it was like this rabbit hole of just like darkness. And it was so hard for me. And so for me, like you were one of those places that was like a light to what I was going through, because honestly, I had to sign off at first when I first had Amelia, because I did go through, you know, pretty heavy postpartum depression. And I had no idea how much social media, you know, not that I blame it, but it was really contributing to that. And I was allowing it to contribute to that. Yeah. So it was like, okay, I have to go dark. And I feel for you when you say like, when you first did your content and you like, you know, kind of switch things up and were really sharing your heart and people really weren't into it. That was exactly how I felt. It was like, you know, I'm a celebrity stylist. I'm a fashion expert. I'm on TV. I have all these glam photos. Everything's so perfect and filtered. And that's what I've been curating, you know, for years. And then it was like, once I had Amelia, I couldn't curate that anymore. Like I literally couldn't get glam. I, you know, I'm a hot mess. I'm covered in, you know, breast milk and poop every day. Yeah. You know, I like no makeup on my face, my C-section scar, my body's hanging over, like all these things. And I was like, oh my God, like what the hell am I going to post? I can't post. So it was like, I just went dark. And then when I came back and I shared how I was feeling and I shared my body and all these things and pictures that really weren't like, you know, the quote unquote cutest photos to share on this, you know, pretty grid. People were like, what the heck are you sharing? I mean, I remember some of the comments, they were like, why did you post that? Or like, oh, like, you know, like, oh, that, like it looks terrible. And I was just like, oh my gosh, there goes like my platform. There goes, <laughs> you know what I mean? There goes my business. There goes yeah. my going. And it took quite some time for me to like find that same space of like finding my heart and feeling authentic and feeling good enough for me in my own skin to share how I was feeling. And then over time, you know, I lost a lot of followers, but then after quite some time, I gained a lot of followers and it became yep. this amazing tribe of moms who were like, oh my God, thank you for sharing that. Like, I feel that way too. Or like, I also had a C-section. And then all of a sudden, like you said, I felt this connection and I was like, oh my gosh, I need this connection. Like this connection makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm not alone, which is what we all want in life, right? We don't want to feel alone. And so- Well, and I think that's so right. And and we also have to remember that people are so, and now, especially with Instagram and the fact that it literally looks like a box, people love to keep us in it. It is really hard for many to watch somebody grow and change. We're very resistant to that. And a lot of times that's our own internal work to do. It's not on the it's not on somebody else. When somebody used to, I remember somebody I was quite close to saying that I had changed and it was said with such a negative tone. And I really encourage women now, like if you are hearing that from somebody in a negative way and you know that in your heart that you are not pursuing bad things, 
it's you evolving as a person and you're allowed to do that. We are so allowed to change. We're allowed to change our mind. We're allowed to change our routines. We're allowed to change our ethics if we want to. We have so many things that we're allowed to restructure in life. And that's kind of the evolution of self. The idea that we don't change is actually quite sad because it means we only ever stay the same and we stay stagnant. We don't get an opportunity to live and exist and learn in the experience of life. So as difficult as it is when people are so resistant to that, I completely agree with you with like the fall away is like, it's no longer serving them and that's fine. But it's the newness of that new community that comes in or the people who are willing to switch with you. I have a handful of followers who are truly have been here since the beginning and they've watched it and they've been the people who were like, we saw that things were going in an unhealthy turn for you, but it's been really rewarding to watch you come into a better place. And then there's other people who are like, I unfollowed you during that time. And it's so lovely coming back and seeing where you are now. The fact is you can't let external validation drive your change. It has to be something that we do because it's so authentic to us. It would be so inauthentic for you to kind of like pretend to be the, all the things you were before all the time when that is not entirely your identity or your, or your purposes anymore or the same, um, to the same degree potentially as well, right? So I think it's really important to kind of like allow us those shifts and allow us that change and, and realize that there is going to be resistance. And remember that when that resistance comes, that's somebody asking you to not change, that's somebody asking you to stay in the box that you came from. That's so well said. And I, I love it. And I love that you share that because I think it's true. It's like, it's so hard to break out of that box. It's also so hard, even for your own self, like you said, to not be like validated by the external, like by the Instagram, by this, by that. And it's like, we're all guilty for it because like we're all in it, but at the same time, like it really does have to come back to you and your heart. And that's where I had to finally get to also was like, you know, when I first started sharing about my postpartum depression and my C-section and my body and all these things, like nobody told me about, I didn't expect any of it. I felt so just like duped. Like I felt so tricked. It was like, okay, I'm in love with Amelia, but like, I hate myself. I say the most awful things to myself every morning I wake up. I tell my husband, like, I feel like I'm mourning the death of myself. Like it was just, I felt like a completely like out of control person. And I was like, nobody told me this is what motherhood could look like. And I just felt like so upset and just like duped, I guess. Like just, I just felt like, like, what is this? And like, how could this be when I'm looking at everything else on social and here and there that's so beautiful? Like, why do I not feel that way? And I had to like really walk away from that and find my own happiness and find, you know, working through with therapy and CBD and all, you know, these different things that I did, you know, for myself to like get back to Allie again and almost get back to like, like you said, like a new version of myself because Mm -hmm. the old person like didn't serve me anymore. Well, and you made a really good point there when you said that you felt duped and you felt like you didn't know of all of these things because The fact is it puts us in a bit of a pressure cooker situation where we are forced to go and find that information and find the people willing to talk about it. And it it, it is there, you know, now, like there is so much conversation about those things, but within different communities that are built around that. So it almost is of high importance to a couple of things, be willing to share the things that are real for us and share those things if we feel like we have capacity to do so. Um, And on top of that, to be willing to look into and read 
and learn from communities that are doing things that have nothing to do with us. This is a huge reason why I love to follow people in so many different diverse ways. The, the disabled group is a very, very good example of this. I'm not a disabled person. I live in a very able body, so I don't have to deal with the issues that they deal with. Through following them, I am now hyper aware of the lack of ramps, of the life, the lack of accessibility for so many of them, how excluded they've been from so much marketing and from so much advertising and how that, how that change is truly coming. So much of their lives are so impacted and they have each other to talk about it, but it's on us to actually also learn as well. This is why I also love to follow new moms. I love to follow seasoned moms, moms of like 20 something year old kids. It's really on us to kind of, if we want to be, you know, observers of the human experience, we have to be willing to hear so much more of it and not just like the bubble in which we exist. If we have capacity to exist outside of our bubbles, I realize for some people they don't. But the reason that you felt so duped was because nobody was talking about those things within your community. You actually had to go out and find that community and build that community for that to be normal in your world. So that's why I love when people get the opportunity to follow different people and follow different storylines. Because if you don't at least experience it at some point in your life, somebody else you know will. And we need to know how to be better supports to those people. And that's why I love, like even on my podcast, I say it over and over again, like you might never identify with some of these stories. Like some of them are, you know, human trafficking and, and, uh, you know, infertility, you might never go through these things, but somebody, you know, will, or you might one day come into a circumstance where you are, and it's better to know and be aware of some of the things that we could be watching out for, as opposed to just blindly living in our bubble of these are the things that I relate to. These are the things that I adhere to. Therefore, these are the people I follow. Because I'll tell you right now, two years ago, the only people I followed on social media were uh, people who looked like me and had lifestyle like me. I didn't follow anybody else that didn't fall into the category of relatable for me. And uh, I feel like it's been really important as I've grown and like kind of what you're saying too is, is tapping into those different communities and learning what's going on with them so that we can kind of create a better experience and not feel so duped by life, not feel so duped by some of the surprises that come out and make sure that there is, like if somebody came to you, you know, five years ago and said, I'm really struggling with postpartum depression, what do I do? You now have the resources to be able to show people and share where they can get some good support. And it's really, I think, important for so many of us to start looking at the way that we experience social media and, and change that a little bit so that we can be better supports. No, and I think you make such a great point with that because it's true. It's like, I'm so guilty too, being like somebody, stylist and fashion expert and TV personality and, you know, being in the Hollywood, you know, I, whatever you want to call it, like I was in that bubble. So like, that was all I followed. That was all I did. And I didn't look at anything else. And then when I became a mom, like I felt so removed from that. And those people felt so removed from me because they're like, Whoa, what is this? And then it was like, you know, I'm like stuck in this place where I'm like, okay, well, I'm not that person anymore because I literally can't exist in that person anymore because of a brand new child. This is a whole new, you know, priority and everything else. And then I don't know how to exist being this new alley. And so that was really my struggle and my own fight and like tug and pull with myself, you know, for almost a year that I started sharing on social. And then like you said, finding those communities and finding those resources and then finally finding those connections where I felt like I could breathe again. And I found people yeah. who felt the same and had gone through similar situations, but 
I love that you said, you know, like you do talk to all these different communities and different people that maybe aren't what you'll ever experience or aren't what you've gone through, but it's like, you're pulling yourself out of that bubble. I did not even realize that I was in a bubble until I really like my bubble burst, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's no what idea. happens for most of us. Yeah. Like when I came out from like the, the diet cultural world, I even, my own sister is a 10 year anorexic lemia, um, recoverer. And I still wasn't aware of how diet language could impact those around me and how through that time of weight loss, my, my, the words I was using and the exterior voice that I'd been putting out there was actually so damaging to so many women. And I really had to come to face that as well. But again, I hadn't, quite learn. I have to give myself some grace because I hadn't, even if I had somebody in my personal world who had gone through it, I hadn't educated myself enough or heard their stories to understand why some of that language could really, really, you know, make or break somebody's day, week recovery, right? So it's been, it's been like an ongoing process. And I think that's all we can really do is forgive ourselves for some of the things that we've done in terms of when we didn't know better, like, and then when we learn and we know better, we do better and we change the way that we do things and we can change the way we experience things. And, and I think that that's being wrong or, or, you know, not getting it all right is also part of the human experience and something that we kind of have to allow ourselves to do. Yeah, no. And I, I completely agree with you. And you're right. It's like, you have to give yourself that grace and move forward. And I've said that to several people who have messaged me and connected with me. I'm like, listen, I'm giving myself that same grace. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm evolving as a person. I'm evolving as a mom, as you know, as you know, a stronger wife, as a stronger alley and figuring out my own stuff and working through it and figuring out when things come up, allowing myself to like sit in that shit instead of like just having it trigger me. Whereas old Allie would have, you know, been triggered by it and signed off. And now I'm like, no, I need to sit in it. I need to figure out like why it's triggering me, how I work through it. And then like you said, how do I grow from it and how do I evolve? And then if I choose to share it, like what, what does that message look like for me and, and mm-hmm. my community, you know? Absolutely. Like we're all learning, like that's all we can really do. And I think it's important that when we see other people who are in the experience of learning, not to just like straight up, I think we're so call out culture is like such a thing now. And instead we need to like, I've heard somebody say this, like call in culture, like how can I bring you into a conversation to help you go through what it is you're going through right now without like calling you out for all your wrongness, instead call you in to have a good conversation. I Um, I think it's super important. Well, and I think you do a really good job of that with your community and why, you know, you've seen your following, you know, spiral so quickly. And, you know, I know, like, again, not everybody knows you had, you know, a smaller following not so long ago, and then it kind of really took off. And I think because you are calling so many in and you are being your true, like real raw, authentic self and just sharing Sarah and everything that you're going through, people are coming over and connecting because they are dying for that real connection. Exactly. And I, and I think that I'm also very aware of our own, um, humanity, right? I think people don't love to hear messages that are like, you need to do this. You need to change this. This is how you need to do it. It's more of a conversation of we're in this together. So let's use our wording a little bit more wisely. And you'll notice in my post, this is truly what I'll do is we, us, me, it's never out 
to anybody else on them personally. So that when we read an experience that somebody's going through, even if it's in a vulnerable state, it's either reflective of me personally, or it's reflective of us collectively. It's not uh, you need to do this. You need to change. It's Hey, we're, we're all a part of this. We're all suffering from this. We're all going through this, or this is something that I've gone through and I would love to share it with you. Our language is actually so important on when we are sharing so that it doesn't create, if I create shame in other people, I'm doing something wrong essentially is how I feel. Um, I want to invite people into a conversation instead of forcing that conversation on them, which is why I kind of love what I'm doing is that my, the core of my business has been built upon community. So I actually spend four hours a day, um, half of my work day in comments and DMS, meaning that like, if this community, even though it's like blown up and grown like crazy, it's really important for me to come back to that root of it. These people are here for me. We're in this together. This is not a me thing sitting on a platform talking to people down below me, we're all on the same level. So how do we create that level type of thinking? It comes in that language of me reflectively, us collectively. And I think as a creator, that's one thing that I've really enjoyed doing and something I've noticed myself, I struggle with when I read a certain posts or when I'm struggling with something from somebody else's content, it's often because there is a feeling of some sort of shame or an attack. And I have to like, if I rewrite the words that they said into an us collective or them reflective, that I no longer feel those things. So our, our writing and the way that we connect with people online is actually incredibly important in terms of how they will receive it as well. Well, and I think that's a really good point to share, especially as a content creator and for those that are, you know, listening and maybe just getting into that space and sharing, because I've learned that too, is like certain things I'll say without meaning to could be a trigger. And I've told like, especially moms, because so much of my following is moms, like I've told them, like, if I do that, like, please nicely, you know, kind of call me out, like, you know, personally yeah. as I'm chatting with you or let me know it's triggering you because I don't yeah. want be a sense of trigger. I want to be a sense of safety and space and, you know, all just feeling good and, and just being real and, and be able to share that without actually upsetting you. Now I realize of course, though, and I'm sure you, especially being on the level of your platform, I'm sure you still trigger people with some things that you can't even help. And you kind of have to, no, I don't want to say ignore it, but you kind of have to realize that there's going to be some things that you're not going to be able to control. Oh, for sure. There's so many times where, and, and I think it is really reflective when you understand your intent and your truth in your heart. A lot of times when people try and call you out, they're trying to call you out for things that aren't real. And so it's really important to cut through that really, really quickly to be like, is this real of me? Is this speaking of me? Is this, is there truths here? And the people that truly come to you and are like, Hey, when you said this, this actually upset me because of this or that or whatever. It doesn't happen very often, but let's give an example. I um, was recently at an event and I really loved that they had an interpreter there. And I went in my stories and I was like, oh my gosh, this is such an incredible event. They've had an interpreter here for those who are hearing impaired. And a woman wrote me and she was like, by the way, I'm deaf. And we actually prefer if you identify us as deaf instead of saying hearing impaired. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you for telling me that. There wasn't even a trace of you got this wrong. Blah, blah, blah. Like there was no tongue lashing there. It was truly a, Hey, just so you know, th this is actually what we prefer. Fantastic. Now I get to use that information going forward. Other people will come and they'll be like, you know what I hate about you? Your hair. You say you're so authentic, but you dye your hair blonde. And I'll be like, what? 
much I like. <laughs> I, it's like, it's like, oh, uh, I don't actually want to change that about my, or like you wear makeup. I don't like that you are all about being real, but you wear makeup. That's so fake of you. And I was like, no, being fake of me would actually be dishonoring the things that I love to do and the things that make me feel so myself. And part of that is my morning routine. I love doing my hair and makeup. If I denied that, that wouldn't be self-serving and self-love. That would be, again, external validation just to fit into a mold that somebody else is potentially creating for me. So it really does come down to it. And it's never not going to sting. I'm so far into this and I know I've gotten a bit of a tough, a tough skin to it, but it never doesn't sting. However, oftentimes it will remind me of our why, um, especially if there is commentary, it usually happens on Facebook, but about my stretch marks or something, for instance, and a guy will be like, oh, disgusting. Like nobody wants to see that. Please cover it up. And I'm like, oh, important for me to hear. Reminds me of what's happening outside of my bubble. Reminds me that there are still so many people who are looking at the female body as only for one thing and only to serve others instead of how is it serving her and what a good job it's done. So it, it's sometimes those negative comments can actually fuel future content for me, can actually fuel my desire to talk about stuff. And then other times, it's a bit of a bless them and block them situation. They're looking to take you down. They're looking for anything they can that they feel is negative. And that's a time where you bless them and you block them and you move on. And then there's other times it's a really great time to sit and listen and to, even if it's a difficult conversation, you have to like swallow that pride pill for half a second. You come out the other side so much better. So it, it's caused me a lot of... um I, I think self-awareness at the end of the day, I know who I am now and I'm not somebody who is so seeking of external validation all the time that when you know who you are and you know how authentic you are on the inside, when people try and um, threaten that, it, it's a really hard thing to take down because you know who you are and you're not in, you're not in this world to like defend every single action you do. Being on a platform obviously, uh, puts a bit of a micro, like a microscope on you. There's, there's a lot that you can get in trouble for very, very quickly. And I do on the, a daily basis, um, sometimes can really trigger anxiety, but at the end of the day, I think that I've navigated it pretty well by being open about it and by talking about it and by making other people aware of how um, hurtful it can be and how difficult it can be to process it because that's also real um, for me. And that's also me being authentic to the experience of what it's like to share online. Right. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Like you're really good about that, that you do kind of own that. And you obviously really know yourself and, and really, you know, like you said, have come into your own skin and can know like what you know to you is right and like what's wrong and what you choose to really share and be vulnerable on but I can imagine because even for me I get you know certain messages every now and again and I get certain things said to me and some of it does trigger me and some of it I just you know block and move on and so I can imagine for you know you know even like for your platform and how higher you know like I don't say your following is but just to the community and the amount of people and the amount of eyeballs because I get overwhelmed and I'm you know like 150,000 followers I've never even thought I'd be there and so you know so it's like I can only imagine for you having a million followers like it's a lot of people it's a lot of opinions it's a lot of eyeballs how do you handle that kind of vulnerability on a daily basis um, I mean, I just try and remind myself that I'm, I'm trying to be the person that I needed all of those years ago. And what does that look like? And, and who is she and what did she need? And 
oftentimes when I look back on how hard everything was, I don't ever want somebody to feel that again. And I, I want people to understand when it comes to being vulnerable online and sharing things that's so intimate, like your loose skin and your stretch marks and things that society has told you is so shameful and to hide away and to disappear to own those things is not an easy thing because you're really deconstructing a lot of like inner hate dialogue and you're creating new narratives. So when you show up online that way, it's not a great feeling. And I think that people need to understand that it's not something I do because it feels good. I do it because I think it's important because I want to saturate women with the uh, with a different side of things. And and that's kind of where it rooted was if they could see realities on somebody else, maybe they can start to see it in them. And, and for many women, they'll, they'll see it on me and they'll be like, Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. Why haven't I been able to see that beauty on myself? And it starts to create a conversation. So I think for me, it's not like I'm self-sacrificing or anything. I'm, I'm not trying to take like that amount of credit, but it's not that I do it because it feels good. I do it because I think it's important and there is going to be resistance to things like that. And, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay being the woman now that people will try and take down because they don't like that I'm going outside of societal norms because I do think it's important. And I, and I remember who I was just a few years back and how much she struggled in her body. And I just want to hug her. And I want to tell her like, don't miss out on those beach days. Don't miss out on those hugs from your partner. Like don't miss out on intimacies and the joy of life and pizza on a Friday night, because you know how many calories are in it. Like don't do those things because there's something after all of this, like you, we see before and afters and we never see the after the after. And I'm the after the after. And I want people to see the side of it, the joy of existing in life again, the joy of not hating your body every day. And also the reality of not loving your body every day. And, and it's okay to feel neutral about it. What's most important here is that we choose to exist in our lives and to show up every day, regardless of what we look like or how we feel will be received. Um, such a great time to practice that because we're all stuck at home right now. So <laughs> it's a really great time to have some of these really good internal conversations. I've been really pushing some of my audience like, hey, like great time to try out that outfit that you've been dying to wear and just felt like you were too nervous to. Great time to try those new makeup techniques that you didn't feel like you were cool, cool enough to pull off. Like I was the girl in high school, like that didn't think that she could wear like colored jeans. And so I just never did. And I regret that because I was like, why? I, I genuinely wanted to try something. And I felt like I didn't fit into the box of being cool enough to do those things. I think now we're in this time. We're all at home. We don't have to see anybody. What a great time to start like flexing that muscle a little bit, seeing those creative juices come out in us and being who we really want to be. And then when we come out of this, showing it to the world. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful. And I think too, like you said, you know, it takes time to be able to really sit there and like, look at yourself and be like, okay, I am going to allow myself to try this, or I am going to allow myself to feel this. And maybe it doesn't mm-hmm. feel good, but I'm going to allow myself to feel it. And I think that's like the disconnect in, in when it comes to social media and, and, and vulnerability is like you were saying, and I think I appreciate you shared that like so much of what you share you know, is not always something that you're really wanting to share or something you really want to be like, oh my gosh, like, you know, this is like really like how I'm feeling. It's like, no, this is something that came up for me 
and I'm choosing to share it because it's important for who I am, what I do with my job, my platform to be able to say, Hey, this is not comfortable for me, but this is something I genuinely just went through or I just felt or a lesson I just learned. And now I'm going to share it with my community. Absolutely. And I think that that is the key to it all is when you take your life experience and the things that you've gone through and you alchemize it into good for others, uh, it kind of starts to make sense of it all. I I think that, um, I don't believe that everything happens for a reason necessarily, but I think that good can come from everything and from anything. And there's been a lot of things in my life that were really bad and really dark and really horrific to look back on. But the fact is they did make me who I am now. And I don't wish those things on anybody. I don't wish that hardship on anybody, but it's given me a perspective and I can do something with that. I can alchemize that darkness into light. And that's what I want to do every day is, and I think that's why um, oftentimes I feel so powerful in my voice because I've lived at both ends of the spectrum of my body. I've lived at both ends of the spectrum of relationships. And, you know, I know what the comparatives are and I know where happiness is true to that. And and I think the one key thing to all of this is that the one relationship that is guaranteed for the rest of time is the one you have with yourself. And if we gave just as much importance and power into that relationship as we do all the external ones, our children, our spouses, our parents, our siblings, if we gave that same love and attention to our own inner core relationship, it will impact positively all of the other ones. So when I say that I've alchemized some of this darkness into light. I mean it by the fact that I did a lot of the hard work that I needed to. I did therapy. I had really tough conversations. I had to leave a marriage and live at my parents' house for a while. There's a lot of hard things that had to happen in order to get to where I am now. And it has to be for good or, or it's not been worth it. And I can say fully, it has been so worth it. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have a platform to share some of those experiences and potentially keep somebody from their own darkness one day longer. No, and I think that's beautiful. And how you said, like, also, you, you like, you know, you kind of look at yourself and you're like, oh, this is the after after. It's true. We don't like, we don't realize when we're in it, whether whatever we're going through in the moment, we don't realize that, like, you know, it, it is going to end and that darkness, like, will, you know, subside and we will find the light in one way or another. And, like, for me with the postpartum depression, like, I just remember looking at every photo and being like, oh, I can't post that. I look terrible. Oh, I can't. I, I look so ugly. Oh, oh, and now it's so crazy. Like, I laugh at myself because I look at pictures of myself from like a year ago with Amelia and where I used to call myself, you know, ugly. And like, what is this with my body? And ew, look at my C-section and oh, my face and this and that. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, look how cute that picture is. Oh my gosh, look how sweet that is. And it's like truly because my perspective for my own self has changed. And I have found mm-hmm. that, that light and the other side, and I have found, you know, that meaning again and, and, and found my own happiness in my own skin. But I, but I love that you share that, like, you know, you went through all that to find, you know, your own self and to be where you are now in your own skin. And I think that that's just such an important message to share too, because so many people feel like, like, oh, well, they just like all of a sudden, you know, got there. And it's like, no, it takes so much time and hard Mm -hmm. work to evolve as a person, you know, and just, I mean, just for all of us to do the work and evolve and grow. And then it's another to actually be able then to share it and to continue to evolve and learn at that level. 
Absolutely. And not everybody has capacity to do it in the same way. But even if you help one person or you just have the life experience and you've done the work for yourself that somebody later on comes to you and you have the life experience to share with them, that's still just as big a deal as doing it in front of a million people. Like it is like, we can't, I can't say that enough is, is when I, if you help one person, it's all worth it. It it really, really is. One life could be literally changed by your ability to do the work and to share that with somebody else. What a beautiful gift we have in this life. And I think that's kind of why human connection is so important and why this medium like social media is so powerful because years ago, if you were going through something, you were alone in that you had to, you didn't have those people available to you at your literal fingertips. And we have that now, what a powerful vehicle we've now become, like we've now dictated and changed the way marketing has happened. If you look at the world four years ago versus now and the ad campaigns, the diversity, the inclusion, we demanded that and we asked for that and it changed the world. There are businesses that said, you know, let's take Victoria's Secret, for instance. They made a statement saying that they didn't believe that bigger women were part of a fantasy and therefore didn't want people larger than a size zero two in their shows. Their show was shut down, 48 stores closed down, and now they've just debuted plus size models. And you know what? Why did that happen? Because we are now the media. We are the media and we have the ability to change the conversations and to reshape society and reshape the businesses that support us. And you know what? So that little girls don't grow up only ever seeing a size zero woman on the TV screen. She she sees so many different sizes and sees them all as beautiful. We are literally changing the very fabric of society through something as silly as an app on a phone. Like how powerful is that? It is. It's, it's so powerful. And, and I love what you say that too, because it's like crazy, right? When you think about when Instagram first came around, like Instagram, you know, when I, I first got on Instagram, it was like right after I, I had gotten married to Justin and it was still so new. And I was just posting like whatever random, you know, silly photos. And it wasn't like really a curated space. And it was a very kind of like, nobody really knew what it was for. And then over time, you know, like anything else, it evolved and it went from being just a curated pretty space of pretty squares to what you're saying now, an actual like fabric of people being able to come together and be like, okay, this is what I'm sharing. This is what I'm telling. This is what I'm demanding. This is what I want people to see is what I want people to learn. And it's such a different space than where I think even Instagram thought they started years ago. Oh yeah, for sure. And and it'll continue to change. We're seeing TikTok on the rise now. It's yet another vehicle of conversation changing. Some like the content's so different. And yet again, it's just like that people are so, especially right now, it's spiked so largely um, because of the quarantines. I've been watching TikTok for five years because my kids have been on it since musically. So I've had to like (laughs) keep an eye on it. And it's been so interesting to watch it change and evolve and now again become another medium where people are just finding human connection, whether it's through comedy or or sharing of a story, these like little tiny 15 second videos. Uh, again, our, our entertainment and they're becoming a new form of media. It's really important that we pay attention to those things and, and continue to see how things are changing and evolving and how we can be a part of that. Right. Well, and I wanted to ask you, Sarah, because you are a mom of three and obviously, you know, your kids, you know, like are not really like little, little anymore, but they're, you know, they're still like kids that you, like, and you're obviously like raising them and watching them. Like you said, involved in seeing what they're doing. 
how do you feel? I, I, I'm curious about this because like so many, you know, parents and, and, and moms, especially, you know, shy away from social media with their kids. Obviously for you, it's very much in your forefront and part of your job and part of everything you do. And I see that you like involve them. And I think that's like amazing. Mm-hmm. Thing. But like, how do you feel like you manage social media for them? And how do you kind of do you have those conversations? Like, what does that look like for you in motherhood? Like, I'm just curious because I feel like a lot of other moms too don't know how to navigate it or they're afraid, you know, is it too much? Is it too little? You know, how, like, how do I make sure that they're safe, but they're still, you know, maybe learning and evolving from my own things I'm posting or, you know, do I only share part of it? Like, how do you choose to personally handle that? Well, I honestly, it's it, the one thing that's kind of been cool about it is I have been doing this for 12 years and my kids have actually grown up in it. Um, some things have changed for us for sure. So a while, like years ago, once they were at age of consent where they could say yes or no to things, we started practicing that within my own social media. So they actually have a say whether or not they're going to be in content or whether they're going to be in my stories. Two of them love it. One of them loves to be a little bit more private fair and we honor that completely. If they are part of any type of ad campaign or we are being, or I am personally being paid for something and they're a part of it, whether they are taking the picture or in the picture, they're actually paid as creators. I pay them their cut. And so I've really wanted them to understand their worth in this. And so that years down the road, they won't look back and think that I've ever used them in any capacity. And what it happened, what happened when they started getting social media. So my oldest is 14, about to be 14. And so she has been on social media now for a while. And it's been so good for her. And I think that it's, it's such a counteractive story to like what everybody else has. It's not to say there's been no bad, but she was somebody who really loved these certain niche things. And she didn't really have a lot of friends at school that loved those same things. And when she came on social media, she had the same kind of experience that I had. She found her community. She found people who were like-minded, who liked the same things that she did. And suddenly she began to like blossom as her own creator. So she's really into cosplay and uh, special effects makeup. Yes, I so see she, that. So yes, it's so it is unreal. I have no idea what's happening in the in the realm of like I don't get it but I support her. And I think that that's been really important for them. Now, when it comes for the way that they feel about what I'm doing, it doesn't really come up too often, but sometimes we'll have these conversations where they'll be like, Oh mom, like my friends are going to see that or, or something like my friends are going to read that. And I'm like, you know what? At the end of the day, if it's involving you, then we have this conversation. If it's involving me, I obviously love your opinion, but I want you to understand that mom is still an individual human and her own personal choices are also to be respected. But they also, this is the cool part of all of this that doesn't really come up too often because they get to experience so often how many women will come up to me in public and say things like, I, I I can honestly name like 12 times where we've had somebody come up, burst into tears and say something as simple as, thank you. I went swimming with my son for the first time. They're seeing firsthand the impact and they're honestly so proud. Like they, they are the most proud and amazing kids. They're so good at navigating this with me. And we've had, it's honestly built us as a family so much because I do treat this as a family thing. And it's been incredible. Like, honestly, sometimes people will be like, how does your husband feel about you being in your underwear online? And I'm like, that's not a question for him. And he knows that too. It's not a question for him. If I was blatantly disrespecting him in any way, then that would be a question for him. But when it comes to consent around my body and what I share, that is 
my question. Like that's something for me. And I know that, um, my whole family supports me in that greatly. So it's, and to be honest, like I've done an underwear campaign that put me on the side of a bus. So my <laughs> literal ass is on the side of a bus downtown Toronto. Like there's no avoiding it. And I'm actually so proud of it. And I'm so proud that they're so proud. Um, so we've really, we've really just continued those conversations and I've been really open and honest about all of it. And they've seen firsthand the impact that it's had on other people. And I think that that's, what's really driven it to be such a positive experience for us as a family. Um, I would say the only negative things have been, um, times that I've allowed the trolls to get me down. And it sucked away my energy and my heart from my family in those moments. And that's something that started to create the new boundaries that I had to put in place, which was not being on social media as much during the hours when I'm with them and structuring it more like the business it is. Um, Giving myself that four hours in the DMs and comments and four hours to do my actual job. And the rest of it I can dedicate to my family. Like if you see me sharing in stories, that's one thing, but I'm not active. I'm not actively on it so that I wasn't getting that mental fog of sadness when somebody was mean to me online. I, I felt like it was ripping me from my family when those things happened. So putting myself in a better um, structure to kind of avoid those situations. And, and I think that's been really good for us. And I think also too, just to end on that is because I've been so open about mental health and stuff, it's actually pushed my kids to ask for therapy when they've needed it as well. And I've even said to my daughter, my daughter was diagnosed with um, seasonal affective disorder a couple of years ago. And I said to her, do you want to share about this? Like, if do you want to do a story about this? And she was like, yeah, let's do it. And we shared about her struggle with depression and we shared about her going to therapy. And so many people were like, thank you for this. My daughter watches, like my daughter watches your daughter and it's been so good for her to like see that it's normal. It's okay. It's good. It's healthy to take those steps for your mental health. And, and so they've really started to be able to see that impact firsthand as well. And and, and even their own sharing, even though it's only one of my kids, I can only hope that that can, that trend continues for the next two as well when they come of age. Right. Of course. And and I think that's amazing that you really share that, like, not only do you involve you know her but like you also like are also giving her you know an actual payment to explain the creation process and how this works as a job but then also giving her the power and the confidence to be like if you want to share this no pressure but like you can and I'm here for you and I think that that also not only you know gives her that you know self-worth and 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 lets her be her but it also really shows the beautiful relationship of you guys okay. as mom and daughter and the way you guys share and the way you evolve in your relationship and that's kind of my hope for you know myself with you know obviously Amelia's a toddler but like you know I show you know obviously show her you know in what I'm doing and especially with you know baby products and this and that and everything that you know goes on and same with her you know sister coming and it's like that's the hope I have is like if they want to be involved in it and I can involve them and they can learn from it and they can grow from it I think that mm-hmm. there's so much positivity behind it and it shouldn't just be oh my gosh keep them off of it you know fear-based you know negative social media I love that you are trying to open a different type of space and have a different perspective when it comes to that. And it shows that with the relationship and what you guys are doing. 
Well, I think that it's important to remember that there, social media is going to exist. It is part of our lifestyle now. It's part of the world. And I don't want to bubble wrap my children and keep them from it. I want to teach them the tools in order to go through it properly and with good mental health. So we have a lot of conversations about when negativity comes up and go through those feelings that maybe arise with the negative comment and stuff as well. And, you know, structure that a little bit better, teaching them about thinking through their thoughts before saying anything online. A lot of curves that have had to happen through the same things that we all learned. I mean, we were thrust into this. Like we were the first generation to really have social media and be thrust through this, these circumstances. And we've learned from that. So again, how can we take the things that we've learned and help our kids go through it in a much healthier way than we were ever, you know, given in the beginning. Right. So it, I think it's really important to kind of teach them through it instead of just keep them from it. That's been my own perspective at least. Yeah, no, and and myself personally, you know, being someone that is also, you know, working in social media, like I, you know, I appreciate that. And I think that's great because I have so many people that DM me and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, you involve her in so much already and she's only a toddler and, you know, what are you going to do when she's older? And I'm like, well, you know, when she's older, I'll, I'll, you know, approach that, you know, when that time comes, but right now she's, you know, a baby. So I'm yeah, yeah you know, like with her and just letting it be an organic and authentic flow. And I'll approach it, you know, when it comes that time, but I love the way that you explained it and, you know, the way that you feel about it, because that's kind of how I feel about it. And I wanted to involve her as much as she wants to involve and same with, you know, her sister and like have them learn from it and grow and evolve versus being almost afraid of it and like not letting them be on it until a certain age. Exactly. And let's be real. Like our parents took out like ads in the paper when we were born with like our photos and stuff. It's no (laughs) different. The mediums just changed. If I have a baby, I'm like definitely putting their face all over everything until they tell me that they, I can't do that anymore. They have the ability to say yes or no. So like give her, like, it's just the fact that my kids are older. They have this age of consent. They get to like say yes or no. But like, if, if I had a littler kid, I'd be like, whatever. Like you could tell me no when you're able to say no. Same with the way they dress. They They used to be so cute when I dressed them. And then all of a sudden one day they're like, I don't want to wear that. And I'm like, what? I know. Isn't it crazy? Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, even Amelia, like, like I'll be like, you know, she'll be two, like, you know, in April. And like I'll be, you know, like getting her an outfit and she'll go, No, mama. And I'm like, I'm gonna like put these on. And she's like, No, mama. Like, I'm like, really? Like now you're gonna decide what you're wearing? Like, how? You're not even two. And she and then she'll pull something else out. And I'm like, okay, that's what you want to wear. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. And I try to just embrace it because I'm like, hey, listen, she's independent, she's creative, she's you know, not even two, but if she knows what she wants more power to her <laughs> exactly right that's like literally the we always have to remember like in order for us to be good parents we're teaching them to literally be without us we're teaching them how to be their own so I always have to like pull myself back into that they're not a necessarily a reflection of me and my life they're their own person and so I need to encourage the things that make them themselves even if it's wearing an outfit that I would never wear in a million years I have to like support them because I'm like you're your own person and like you have your own choices in life like what Right. Yeah, exactly. And we've all been there. Yeah. And we've all been there. We've worn questionable things. Like I look back at photos of myself and I'm like, oh my God, I did that. You know? So it's like, they have to go through their own things as well. And I was going to ask you that, like, you know, with being a mom of three, first off, like because of all the content you create, Sarah, and how many jobs you kind of have and how many hats you wear, 
do you ever feel like you can't, I don't want to say can't, but do you ever feel like, you, you know, you, you struggle or you have a hard time managing, I hate the word balance, but like have a hard time managing and juggling the, you know, whole mom of three, you know, wife, content creator, you know, serving her community speaker, all these things that you do. Like, are there times where like, you feel like you don't even get to pour back into Sarah? Uh, Yes and no. I think for there's burnout for sure. Sometimes I think I have capacity and I find out after the fact that I didn't, but I've been, I've been pretty like selfishly. I, I love being with my kids and my husband. So I definitely try and schedule things around those. Like, so that I, I also share custody of my kids. So there are days that I don't have them. So I can go really hard on those days so that I can kind of do less on the days that they're with me and really capitalize on that time together. But I also realized that I stayed home for 10 years and I want them to see me thriving and I want them to understand that mom does have a job and that it isn't structured the same way as, you know, their dad and stepdad, which was like more nine to fives. My job's all over the place. And sometimes it makes me travel for a few days. And sometimes it means that I work till 11 o'clock at night. And, and sometimes it means I literally get to take the day off and spend it with you at an arcade. So they kind of understand those differences with that. And, and at the end of the day, they're pretty, they're pretty dang supportive. When I, when I think back years ago, when I first started serving and, and the kids had only ever known me as a stay at home mom, it was like buckets of tears at the door for me to go work a four hour shift serving dinner to other people. They just couldn't even fathom me leaving. So I think it's been a really good practice and exercise for all of us in the realm of allowing me to be a person outside of them while also they're my number one. Like I was sitting in a board meeting with like these executives and my daughter called and I remember in the middle of the call, I stopped and I was like, I'm sorry, everyone. Um, my daughter's calling and she doesn't normally do this. So I'm just going to take this call. And then they were like, yep, no problem. And I take the call and, and she had gotten confused about the schedule. And she was like, mom, I'm so sorry. Like, I know, I know you're in a meeting. I'm so sorry. Like don't. And I'm like, no, like you are priority. Like everything else in the world can pause. If you need me to pause, like you are my priority. Don't ever apologize to me again for calling me when you needed something. And she was like, okay, okay. I love you so much. And I was like, love you too. And I was like in LA at the time we were like on a time change, all this different stuff. And I hung up the phone and I burst into tears. And I'm like in this, like, I'm supposed to be, you know, holding this together. And, and I said to them, I'm like, I'm sorry. Sometimes it's just like, you can really feel it. And I'm like, and I just wanted her to know she was priority. Thank you for letting me have that. And they were like, no, like, thank you for taking the call. Like they were so understanding. And so like, I think it was a room of women, so bless them. But it was so important for all of us to kind of see and understand that like we are balancing and we are managing a lot of different things. And those concessions are not my children. They will never be my children. It will be pausing this meeting for five minutes while I take this phone call. It won't be them. And so the the fact that my children know in their hearts that they have that priority and that ability to capture me the moment that they truly need me, it changes the way that they view everything else. So they no longer are like, mom's gone and we're not going to see her for four days. It's I still have you. I still have contact with you. I'll call you when I need you. You'll FaceTime me tonight. We'll have these moments. It, it's that's that's I think all we can really do is instill that confidence in them that they remain number one while we go and do our thing. 
Yeah, no, I, I love that you shared that. I'm like, I, I just got all emotional for you. And you were saying like how you burst into tears and like the meeting because like, oh. it's true. It's like, you know, it, it does weigh heavy on your heart. And I've had those moments with Amelia being so little and she can't really communicate that, you know, she misses me even though I know she does or about to go somewhere. And, it, and it's hard and it does weigh heavy on your heart. And, you know, and it's hard sometimes to like step away and be like, okay, I am thriving and I'm, I'm proud of myself for thriving and doing all these things but at the same time. Like I'm missing that, you know, potential quality time with you. So I appreciate that honesty, you know, and vulnerability in that to share, because I think so many of us feel that way and we, yeah. you know, and we, and we also don't realize that some of that also means that pouring that back into our cup by doing that you are pouring back into your cup and it doesn't have to always just be about exactly. you. Exactly. The fact that you're actually doing it because you need to pour back into you with your child. Absolutely. And, and that's, and that's a hundred percent the end of it. And, and, I think what I always try to remind myself is if I looked at my children and I said, one day I want you to have children so that you can give up on your dreams and make your life entirely about them. That's not what I would ask of them. I would teach them and I would tell them to have children to share life with or to have the experience with should they choose it. But it is not a reason to give up on everything else. I don't want them to have that. Um, It's something that I did. Uh, myself for a long time. And through the experience of obviously blogging and Instagram kind of gave me myself back a little bit. Um, but I would never ask that of my children. So why do I ask that of myself? I, and like you said, we need to fulfill the parts of us that do fill that cup. Otherwise we're pouring out empty and it does no good for anybody. When we, when we pour out empty, we all know what that feels like when we're pouring out empty, we speak differently. Our tones are different. We're edgier. We're not as compassionate and fun and chill. When we fill ourselves back up and we have the opportunity to, and we come back into being a parent, we're better for it. And, and I say that lightly knowing that not everybody has those opportunities. A lot of people are in situations where they don't have a significant other to help and they're just constantly at a tap out. And I want them to also remember that like their time will come it will get better. There is days past that and, you know, do whatever it is you can do within the abilities that you have, whether it's as simple as going pee by yourself and locking the door, <laughs> you're allowed that. And that's, that's a form of respect you can show yourself and a boundary you can show your child, um, that through that, those experiences over and over, you will fill your cup in small ways and just figuring out what those things are for yourself. Yeah, exactly. And and I and I love that you said that. Like not obviously not everyone has the same circumstance and everyone's looks different, but it is important no matter who you are to figure out even in those small moments, even in those few minutes, how to pour back into your cup because it's true. You do. If you don't, you feel that burnout, you feel that disconnect, you feel all over the place. And I and I notice it with myself all the time and I have to like rest and get back to myself, especially with being pregnant. Like I realize like I have to go lay down and shut my mind off or I have to get in the bath and I have to do things to be able to reset myself to pour back into myself so I can be better for myself and for Amelia and for my husband and for everyone around me and I think that a lot of us don't realize that we have to do that because we feel like we have to always serve everyone else so I love that you really Mm -hmm. said that that like it, it really is important to serve you first and it's not selfish it's really about that self-care and that mental health to be able to then give on to everyone else. It's the exact same thing that my mom said to me when I first, or actually she said to my kids when I first left that 11 year marriage, which is 
why do they ask you on the airplane to take them, like put the oxygen on yourself first? And it's because if you put it on your child first and you don't make it, they don't make it anyhow. So you have to put it on yourself first and then you put it on your child so that you are capable of helping them out of that situation, not just putting it on them, thinking that you're doing the best for them, thinking that you're saving them. And really you're putting your, both of you at a detriment, right? So a constant reminder that we have to give ourselves the oxygen first so that we can give the oxygen to others. I love that she said that to you, but it's so true. It's like something that's really is said to you all the time if you're someone that travels but like it really is at a much higher level like that is life that is life yeah I love that well Sarah thank you so much for like so much of just sharing your heart and everything you're doing out there like in the community I truly feel it I know so many others do too what is next for you when you when we get out of quarantine what is next Oh, when we get out of quarantine. Well, I have a lot of public speaking. That was my big thing that's been sidelined right now is, and it has been a lot of public speaking. So that's shifted a little bit. But I think the difference from the previous years to what you're seeing now is the previous years, you've seen me in recovery. You've seen me learning to love myself. You've seen me kind of practicing self-care and practicing self-love and practicing confidence. And I think 2020, you're going to see me step into that. I think it's no longer going to be practice. It's going to be perfect. And so I feel much more, I don't know, it's funny, like I used to be very apologetic and very like almost like I was asking permission to be okay. And now I'm very much like, no, it's okay that I am. And I want to show other women that confidence is is not what you look like and it's not your pant size and how can we continue to to show up in those ways. So I think that's what's next for me. I don't know to the realm of everything else what that will look like, but I know that that's where I am in my head and my heart is that I've truly stepped into who I am. I think for the first time in 35 years, I'm really starting to wake up to who she is. And I think you're going to see more of that. I think it's going to be a lot more confident, a lot more um, less apologetic, I guess. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's great to share because it's like, it's real life. It's really where you are. And like you said, where your heart is at and what you feel and what you're experiencing. And, and, and that's all you really, you know, can share, you know? And I think that that, that's also beautiful message for everyone to leave off of is like you just said, you know, after 35, almost 35 years, you're finally finding that in yourself. And it's funny, I'll be 35 in July. And I feel the same way. I'm like, I feel like between becoming a mom and all the things that I've gone through, like I'm now finding really who Allie is. And I even joke with people. I'm like, it's almost like Allie 2.0. Like I'm finally in my own like thick skin. And like, I feel good and I feel confident. Yeah, of course I have my bad days, but like, I feel good in who I am and I haven't experienced that in a long time. And it's just so, I think it's so beautiful when, especially women can really share that authentically because then others who are struggling and are like, Oh my gosh, I can't find that place. It's like, but it's coming for you, you know, Mm -hmm. and it it will be there, you know, and especially like you sharing all your dark moments and all the things you've been through and now where you are in the light and how positive and just how real and authentic and how you feel and, we can all feel your heart, you know, and we're following you and you're what you're sharing. Like, there's just so much beauty in that. And like you said, like you found that beauty in that darkness. And I think that's such a huge message to drive home for everyone. It's like, there is beauty in darkness. You will find the light at the end of the tunnel, even if it takes so much time, if you allow yourself to continue to grow and evolve and be you. Absolutely. You said it. 
you know? So thank you so much for all you share. Tell us, of course, where we can find you, stalk you, you know, love on <laughs> you. I mean, I know, I know everyone's going to want to go, you know, you're going to have a whole new uh, tribe of uh, mamas, I'm sure, coming over. I'm <laughs> so excited. I'm so excited to connect. I honestly, it's my favorite thing in the world. So you can find me over on Instagram at the birds papaya. And I also have my podcast, the papaya podcast, but hang out with me on Insta. You'll see everything else from there. It's kind of my wheelhouse. So it'll East bridge the gaps between there and everywhere else. So I look forward to connecting with more people. I know it seems like I have a really large platform, but it's truly built upon so many incredible women. And I, it's, it is quite honestly, my favorite thing to do is to connect with, with women all over the world. So come and join into the crazy world of that. <laughs> yes. I love that. It's so great to finally get to like connect with you on here. I'm so glad we chose to do this and not wait for, you know, in person. I really feel like we just got to share so much together and I look forward to connecting IRL when you are in California. Next. Yeah. Again, again, let's see when it happens. It was supposed to be next month. So who knows? I know, but eventually, eventually everything will, you know, resume and, and, I'll, and I'll see you you know, at some point in California, maybe, maybe at that point I'll, I'll, ha- I'll be officially a mom of two. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you, Sarah. I really thank appreciate you. it. Until next time, guys. Cheers. Bye.